So it's so good to see everybody. We're so glad that you're here learning and growing and worshiping the Lord with us. So thank you for being here. I'd like to also welcome anybody joining us, watching us online this morning. We love you too and miss you. I'll put something in the chat this morning if you're watching with us, something maybe how we can pray for you or something the Lord is speaking through you. One of our online facilitators are available for all your prayer needs. Amen. So as I said, uh, good things are, are coming and good things are here and the Lord is here this morning and I'm excited. I'm going to try my best to uh, wrap up this series that we've been doing for the last three weeks. So we are going to continue that message that we've uh, been talking about. Y'all been enjoying this, this, this uh, message, this series on the kingdom of God? Yeah, somebody getting something? I really hope and pray the Lord has been flipping your perspective and really showing you a new side of who God is. Because we've been talking about the kingdom of God, right, and how it's upside down and in backwards. Y'all been paying attention, praise God. So like I said, I'm going to try my best to really wrap this up. And really, uh, it's my prayer that we would not forget this. And it really is such a simple truth. And I love the kingdom of God. There is nothing like the kingdom of God. And God calls us to be a part of his kingdom that is and looks nothing like the kingdoms of man out there. All right, I said last week that every kingdom that ever has been, every kingdom that is, every kingdom that will be, all fall short of the glory of God because it's all tainted by man, by sin, by corruption, by greed, by lust. And I, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that God's kingdom is nothing like those things. They may feel different and foreign to my flesh, but God doesn't call me to be led by my flesh. Come on, somebody. He calls me to be led by his spirit. And so that's what I have to remember. That's what I have to see if I'm in uh, an impossible place, like we talked about this morning during worship, that I have to begin to see that impossible thing in the lens of God. And that God doesn't even see impossible things because his kingdom is upside down and backwards. Amen. So let's go ahead. Let's look at that foundational scripture that we use. We've been using each week. comes out of Isaiah 55, right? Let's, uh, let's look at verse 8. So this is what we've been saying, right? This is what God says in his word. And everything that we try and build uh, spiritually in our lives, hear me, it has to be built on this, right? On the word of God. If it's built on his word, if it's found in here, it won't just work, but it'll be blessed. Amen. And God can use it in and through your life. So verse 8, God says, says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher, somebody say higher, than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's ways, God's thoughts are higher than any thought ever imagined in a fleshly body, in a body like yours and like mine. As I was as I was reading that again this week and studying and preparing for this morning, I just had this thought. My best thought, your best thought that you've ever had, can't even compare to God's worst thought. The best thing I've ever done can't even compare, come on somebody, to what Jesus Christ did for me. And for what Jesus Christ did for you and he did for the world. So God's ways are not just better, they're higher. And God's, God's thoughts are not just 
uh, better. They are higher than yours and mine this morning. Let's look at that first recap point before we get into the new part of our message. So we said this. We said the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Right? God's kingdom operates from a spiritual system, which is the opposite of this world's system. God invites us to live life at a higher level. So everything, if I'm a believer, if I confess in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I have to know that every decision I make in the eyes of God is spiritual. Every decision that I make is spiritual in the eyes of God. Out in the world, every decision that you make, 99.9% of the time, is probably decided on the things that we want, the things that we see, the things that we feel. I feel a certain way because so-and-so did a certain thing or so-and-so didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. And so this is how the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards because his ways are opposite. He calls me to be led by his spirit. And to live at a higher level, I must let him lead me by his spirit. The thing about being led by his spirit is that means I have to walk by faith. And like we talked about last week, if I walk by faith, that means that I'm not walking by sight. Y'all are tracking with me, praise God. And that is in it of itself what? Upside down and backwards to the way of the world. Because everybody out there is walking and being directed by what they see by what they can touch, by what they experience. They judge a thing by the experience that they had based on that thing. It might even be good, but it hurt them, so it's bad. right? Because they're walking by sight. They're not walking by the Spirit of God. And so that in and of itself is upside down and backwards. We must walk by faith. Living for Jesus is going to take faith. There's no way around it. He's not going to give you all the, the answers, the details of the things that he's called you to do. He's not going to give you all the answers and all the details of that thing that you're waiting and praying for. You have to, by faith, believe, pray, be confident, and when storms come, you have to even, you have to bear down, and you have to continue to build your life upon the rock, right, the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. Amen? And it will stand. I promise you, it'll stand if you build it on him, his life, and his truth. Amen. So let's look at that first new point I want to give you this morning. Got a lot of good stuff this morning, some new, some new stuff for you. And so as the kingdom of God is backwards uh, and opposite and upside down uh, to the way that our flesh leans and we have to be led by the Spirit, this, 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 this truth kind of it stands out to me because I think this is what a lot of people out there are doing. Even Christians uh, can be guilty of doing this at times. The kingdom of God is not a band-aid, somebody said band-aid, for your problems of life. The kingdom of God is a way of life. The kingdom of God is a way of life. Even if bad things happen, we talked about it last week, bad things happen to good people, bad things happen to Christians, to believers. And so even though I confess Jesus, it doesn't exempt me from problems in my life, it doesn't uh, uh, prevent me from having to go through dry seasons and dry spells. I have to cultivate the faith that God has placed inside of me. But this is the thing. I feel like a lot of people, you see, they want to come to Jesus and they just want to put the band-aid on the problem. They want to say, Jesus, just fix this problem, you see, and then when he fixes it, what do you do with the band-aid? 
Uh, eventually, you take it off, right? What do you do? You crumple it up and you throw it in the trash. The Lord showed me that the kingdom of God is more than just a temporary fix. Come on, somebody. He doesn't want to just temporarily fix your problem. He'll fix your problem, but he also wants to be in relationship with you forever. Right? And so people say, you see, I want, Jesus, I, want you to, I need you to fix this problem, and it may be a bad problem. It may be something tough. And, and, but, see, I want you to fix the problem, but I want to continue to go and do the thing that I want to do on the side, Jesus. See, you're interrupting, you're interrupting my life, Jesus. And I know that you love me. I know that you forgive me, but I really need you to fix this problem, see. But I want to do this over here on the side in the dark. You can't worship two masters. Do you know that? Are you all in on Jesus? Or are you using him for a temporary fix, like a Band-Aid, to cover your problems? And then as soon as he may even answer that problem, you say, thank you, Jesus. You rip it off, you crumple up, and you throw it in the trash. The blood of Jesus. The grace of Jesus. The truth of Jesus. None of it's wasted. But if we spiritually do that, I'm just trying to, to, to paint a picture for you. If we do that, what else are you missing out? That's what I want you to see. You're the one missing out on the rest of the mercy and the rest of the grace. See, he wants to do more than just fix that problem in your life. He wants you to be set free. He wants you to walk in joy, not just temporary happiness that comes and goes. He wants you to be joyful and to have hope and to have expectation. See, the truth is, somebody say truth, we're all going to encounter problems, uh, but when life gets hard, we have to believe that God's ways are better. His, we just read about it. His ways are higher. His, his thoughts are higher. And so it, the, living in the kingdom of God is a way of life, even in the suffering and in the waiting. If you are a true believer in the suffering and the waiting, if you're in either of those two places this morning, you have to believe that his ways are better and higher. Right? And see, living in the kingdom of God is not just a way of life. Jesus said, let's look at that next scripture. Y'all remember this, what Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the kingdom of God is a way of life, but hey, if you want to, you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven one day after you die in this body, well, the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6 says, no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus has, he has to be our everything. And you can gauge in your life if he is or isn't when those things happen. When I, when my trust becomes, that's what I'm looking for, wavering. When I waver, right? I believe in you, Jesus. And my, during my quiet time at 8 o'clock in the morning, come on. And then by lunchtime, something major happens and it's like I'm doubting Jesus already. <laughs> by the time lunchtime comes. Right? God wants us, he wants us to be still, to be confident, and to trust in him and his ways. Right? He does. But we got to know that his ways operate and are different than the ways that you or I would solve problems. And so that's why he wants you to trust him, because the Bible says that he's our shepherd, right? A shepherd takes care of the flock. He takes care of the sheep. A shepherd is not going to lead its flock or its sheep into something bad or dangerous, right? So you, even though God's ways are different than the way we experience life, you got to know that they're for your good. 
and you got to know that they're, that they're uh, for your better, amen, and that God has you in his hands. He does. And so Jesus, he wants to help us, but we have to let him. you got to let him. And if you love him, if we love Jesus, shouldn't we trust him? Get this. Y'all trust Jesus enough with your eternity. Anybody give Jesus your, uh, your eternal life? You've been born again? You've been saved? Come on, somebody. That's good news. Y'all are really quiet this morning. I'll poke your neighbor say, wake up. Amen. Come on, somebody. So you trust Jesus with your eternal destination. So why won't you trust Jesus with your job? Why won't you trust Jesus in your marriage? Why won't you trust Jesus with your kids? I don't know about you, but I gauge my eternal destination far above those things. Because that's the ultimate. So if I can trust Jesus with my eternal life, I can trust him with those other things. And if we love him, we should allow him to lead us in those things. Amen? Let's look at that next point. So, God's kingdom is upside down and backwards. And so his ways are different, and they're oftentimes foreign to us. Right? They're upside down and backwards. And so today we're going to really look at some quick, simple truths of the way the world looks, operates, feels, and how God's kingdom uh, is different. Okay, quick reminders for us this morning. So, the world says we gain by taking what we want. The world says if, 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 if you need it, if it looks good, do whatever you can to get it, right? We gain by taking what we want. God says we gain by giving what we need. That's upside down and backwards. To, to get, we have to we have to give. To get, we have to, to gain, we have to give. And so what does the world say? What kind of thoughts do we have? What kind of thoughts do we experience outside of church on Sunday mornings? That, that voice that says, right, oh, you can afford that. Man, you deserve that. Right, that word deserve. You deserve that. You've earned that. I mean, you've, you've done all the things. Do whatever you can to get it. And if you still get denied, then just take it. <laughs> Y'all, this is the way of our world. This is the way of, 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 of high corporations. This is the high society. This is what people every day, and it breaks my heart, are, are living and, and operating in this sort of way. And this is sin. Point blank, sin. God says, I want good things for your life, but you can't, just, you can't just take things. If you give, it will be added onto you, right? That's what the world says. God says this, ask first, and then I might give it to you. <laughs> All these things that I think that I want, that I need, that I deserve in my life, some of us haven't even asked God if it's, if it's good for me. I judge my life based on everybody else's life. And God says, ask first and give of yourself. And if I want you to have that thing, then I'll make it so. To gain something, we have to give something. It's just like the simple as the Bible says, the principle of sowing and reaping. Right? Sowing and reaping. I have to sow in order to reap. Sacrifice and reward. 
That's the awesome part about sacrifice. With no sacrifice, there's no reward. That's upside down and backwards to the way of the world. They just want to give everybody a trophy, right? Everybody a star. Everybody's a winner. You don't have to put in the work. You don't have to do the things. You earned it. You deserve it. This is, this is for you. Here's a little pat on the back. And what are we really doing and graining into our kids? Because nothing is free in this life. The love of God is not even free. Because it costs the most that it ever costs. It costs the life of Jesus Christ. See, we say that the love of God is free. I mean, it's free now for you and me, but it's still, it, Jesus had to go beforehand to pay the price. Now that's sacrifice and reward. We're living in the rewards from the sacrifice of our Father. Deposits and withdrawals. Try this, and if it works, come, come talk to me. Anybody have a bank account? A couple of you? Man, we got some poor folks in this house this morning. Imagine this. Imagine if you just went to the ATM every single day and just kept withdrawing money. Just kept withdrawing money. Just kept just taking, just taking, just taking what's yours. Eventually, what's going to happen? You're going to be no more money. Eventually, what do you have to do? You have to give. You have to make a deposit. That's the, that's the principle of reaping and sowing. And, and for you and for me, we have to spiritually be giving of ourselves. We have to spiritually be making sacrifices of ourselves. We have to spiritually make, be making withdrawals, or not withdrawals, deposits every single day so that I can experience the flip side of those things, the reaping of good fruit, the rewards of my sacrifice, uh, and then the withdrawals of the deposits that I've made beforehand. Come on, somebody. All right, look at Luke 6, 38. It says, what? Give. First word in that scripture says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I feel like that rhymes. That's going to be like a rap or something. Let's read that together. With good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Let's do that again. With good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Those sound like good things, right? Over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure Underline that if you're following along in your Bible or on your app, highlight that. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So that's the, the article of sowing and reaping, that's that, or the principle of sowing and reaping. That's the principle of, of getting what you put in. And so you, what you put in is what you get to take out by the same measure. Somebody say same measure. By the same amount of sacrifice that you put in is going to benefit what you're going to reap later. If you, if, you, if you half do it, you're only going to get a half reward. If you're all in, then that reward is going to be sweeter. It's going to be greater. So we're cutting corners. We're doing all these things. We're, 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 we're just we're half in it. And I wonder why I suffer and I wonder why I'm not filled with joy and it's because I'm not fully getting what God wants to give me because it all boils back to our obedience. It all boils back to what I'm actually doing with what I say that I believe. And if my beliefs would become behaviors, that God could bless me. Right? Our beliefs have to become behaviors and then we can enter into that full blessing the full same measure of what I'm putting in, I can begin to reap in my life. 
And then, hey, when you're blessed, walking in the full measure of Christ, who else is blessed, man? Everybody that you come in contact with. Your, your, your spouse, your kids, people at, that you work with, right? And that's how we bring the light of Christ into the world. That's how we walk as being the salt of the earth and all these things. Amen? So, so let's look at that next point. So in order to get, we have to give, okay? That's upside down and backwards. In order to get, we have to give. This next point says, the world says, treat people the way they treat us. Y'all know we cannot be confessors of Jesus Christ and treat people the way that they treat us. We look nothing, we look nothing like Christ when we live that way. We look exactly like the world when we live that way. We're not being the salt of the earth or the light of, of Christ when we live that way, right? And so what God says, though, we treat people the way we want to be treated. It's so basic and so simple. The things that you want to happen in your life, you have to treat people the same way. You treat people the way that we want to be treated in return. And I feel like everybody, man, right now, it's a cultural thing. I'm thankful that we were from Arab, Arab and Holly Pond, Alabama. Come on, somebody. Because we still live, for the most part, by common sense. We believe in the word of God. And the division that is really going on that the world portrays, y'all, it's bad, but it's really not that bad. It's bad, but it's really not that bad. My hope's in Christ. Amen. And so in order for to make the world better, I got I to gotta make the place that I live better. And so let's focus on our communities before we begin to start focusing on other states. Right? Because I can't change what Oregon does from Holly Pond, Alabama. Right? And see, that's what everybody is so engulfed in. Yeah, the world's a mess. Yeah, people are treating each other terrible. And, and it's really disgusting. But if I can take care of and manage what God has given me where I am, where he's planted me and rooted me, that's all that he asked me to do. Right? And we can make, Holly, we were singing about revival this morning, we can make Holly Pond, Alabama like the glory of Jesus Christ. I'm excited with what God wants to do in this church and in through you. You know, church is not just a building, it's a people, y'all are part of that. And so I'm thankful that y'all don't treat people the way that the world treats people, right? We treat people the way that we want to be Treated. The world says, you know what, get even with those people. Do you remember what they did to you? Right? Do you remember what they said to you? Remember what they did? What are all these thoughts tied to? Come on, somebody. They're tied to your emotions. They're tied to your flesh. They're not tied to your spirit. God says, be led by my spirit. Do you think Jesus was probably, he wasn't, but he should have been, offended with Judas? One of his own disciples betrayed him. He sat, had dinner with that man, and then told him, go ahead, be excused, do what you're about to do. What did he say? Is there a narrow to the cross? God forgive them for they know not what they do. Man, could we walk in that? Man, that would be power, wouldn't it? If the church could walk in that type of grace, in that type of power, because this is what God says. God says, love no matter, somebody say no matter, no matter what, right? Because he loved. And what is that tied to? My faith and what God did for me. 
not by my emotions, but what I believe. What you believe has to trump your emotions. And when we, when we don't walk by faith and we live the way the world does, we look nothing like Jesus. We don't follow Jesus. We look just like the world. Luke 6, 31, it says, Do to others as you would like them to do to you. That's simple, right there in the Word of God. Treat others the way that you would like to be treated. So, hey, if I want respect in my life, I need to sow respect. Not show with an H, sow with a W, S-O-W. I need to sow respect. If I want respect in my life, it's the principle of sowing and reaping. I have to respect every person that I come in contact with. doesn't matter what they look like. doesn't matter where they're at in life. doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter if they're whatever, fill in the blank. If I respect them, I will reap respect in my life. If you want forgiveness, you need to sow forgiveness. I go on and on. Right? If you want love, you must sow love. And that is upside down and backwards to the way of the world. The world says you just deserve those things because of who you are, even though none of us have done anything. Those are just yours. And if somebody disrespects you, you disrespect them because they disrespected you, right? That is all fueled by hate and discord and dissension. And this is the, our nightly news, and this is, I mean, our culture is being bombarded with this way of thinking. And God says, don't think that way because my thoughts are, and my ways are, all right? Don't get sucked in. You need to be sucked into this, the word of God, right? Look at Matthew 5, 43, 45. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, Jesus says. Then he flips the switch, right? Flip the switch. Verse 44. But I say to you, I got a couple chuckles out of that one. Love your enemies. You can underline that if you want. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain and just on the unjust. Rain and the sun are metaphorical blessings from God. God says, I even bless sinners. You know, sinners have mountains of blessings on their life that they don't even know, see, or recognize. And so to be sons and daughters of, of Christ, of God, it says that we need to love our enemies. Has anybody got this one figured out yet? <laughs> if you do, come see me. This is a tough commandment. I'm just being real with you. Loving your enemies is tough because each and every one of us have enemies in our lives. We have people that we don't get along with. We have people that we disagree with. But I feel like Jesus knew something that we don't know. What would happen if we loved our enemies? What amazing things could happen? I don't know. I feel like the sky's the limit. If we could get past our emotions and get past my stony heart and my flesh and walked in the spirit and began to bless those who curse us and bless those who persecute us, what could happen? I don't know. I hope and pray that maybe we could see that revival of the church where we could walk these things 
out. Remember this, love, no matter what the world says, is always greater than hate. Love is always greater than hate. How do you love somebody who is hating you? In the process of hating you, you have to hit your knees and pray for those people. When you don't know the words to say, when you can't be in the same room with that person, pray for that person. Anybody prayed for somebody you don't get along with or somebody you don't like? When you can actually pray in love for somebody, that's love. And that's where we have to start. So we have to pray for our, our communities. We have to pray for Holly Pond. We have to pray for Alabama. And then we, be, we can begin to start praying for our nation. Right? Pray for our enemies, it says. Amen. Look at that next point. So in order to get, we have to give. We have to treat others the way that we want to be treated which is upside down and backwards. Another truth we're going to give you today. So the world says, in order to be great, in order to get real respect, right, you have to rise above people. You need to rise up, and you need, you need to bring people and put them below you. God says, to be great, we bow and serve others. Amen. To be great, we have to bow and not be good enough, not be better than other people. We have to serve each and every person in the love and the grace and the mercy of God. I love this. The world says, in order to be measured in, in greatness, greatness is how, what the world says, greatness is how impressed are others with your life. Right? That's what the world says. You haven't attained greatness unless you have done all these amazing things. You haven't attained greatness unless you have so-and-so followers on your Instagram account. Okay, so if I have 100,000 followers, does that mean I'm less great than somebody who has 200,000 followers? Right, and this is how we measure our lives of greatness. And I'm not great unless the world says that I am, or unless the world validates who I am. I got to get to the top any way that I can. If you're my way, get out of my way. I'm coming through. And I'm going to use you to get what I want. I'm going to use you to get those things that I secretly want in my life. And when I'm done with you, I'm going, to, I'm going to chew you up, spit you out, and throw you away. And I'm going to keep ascending. I'm going to step on people as I get to the top. This is the way of the world. You know what I love about the kingdom of God and how it's upside down and backwards? When, what God says is greatness is how impressed are you with what Jesus has done. Not with what others think of what you've done in your life, because when you are impressed with what God has done through Jesus, you already know who's at the top. <laughs> He's at the highest. He's at the pinnacle. And when you know, no matter how high you get in life, if you own your own company, if you're the CEO, if you are the boss at your job, or you're the manager at your job, when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can't get so high that there is never somebody or something over you. Right? And when I know that God's already at the top, now I want to serve and help others see that same truth. Right? I want to show others that same truth. Look at Mark 10, 42 through 45. It says, But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know uh, that, these, that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great one." Excuse me, and their great ones exercise authority over them. 
Yet it shall be so among you, but whoever desires to become great, underline it, among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Even the Son of God did not come. He came as a king, but he didn't come as a king in the standards of what? The world. Right? It was upside down and backwards. He came as a king of heaven. And so Jesus said, I, even the Son of Man, yes, I'm king, but I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you and to help you. That's backwards thinking for you and for me. And we have, to, we have to buy into that truth. You can buy into that truth for yourself, right? Thank you, Jesus, that you came to serve me and my needs and my wants. But when it comes to me showing that service to other people, it's, it's like pulling teeth sometimes. God says, go love that person, go serve that person. And it's like, God, you can do that for me, but do you want me to do that for everybody else too? And he says, yes. He says, yes. That's how the light of Christ begins to shine in the world. And hear me, one of the greatest legacies you can leave from your life when you depart this life is how you loved others and how you served others. Those are going to be the types of things that people say about you when you're no longer here to defend yourself. How he loved others, or how she loved others, or how he served or how she served others that she came, he or she came in contact with. Are you loving and serving others, or are you so busy trying to get to number one that you've lost sight of what God is actually calling you to be? Are you so focused to getting to the top and to get everybody out of your way to, to get that thing that you want that you've lost sight of what God really wants to do in and through you? Look at Mark 10, 28 through 31. It says, then Peter came to speak up. We've given up everything, somebody say everything, to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has been given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the sake of good news will receive now in a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution, he says. All of those that have given up all those things for my sake to follow me and to live for me, Jesus says, I will bless you a hundred times those things that you gave up, and also persecution will come. I'll give you all those things, but hey, it ain't going to be easy. But he's saying there's going to be a reward for the sacrifice. right? Jesus is saying there will be a reward for your sacrifice. He says, and then world to come, that person will have eternal life, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Some translations say the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That is upside down and backwards. Those who serve others one day will be uh, not just in a glorified body, but will be held to esteem because of what they did, because of what God asked them to do, right? Upside down and backwards. Look at that next point. We've got two more quick points. 
Another thing the world says, it says the secret to life, right, the secret to your happiness is to live for yourself. God says the secret to life is to die to self. Go ahead and put deny yourself on there if you want. Also, the world says the secret, do what you want, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. Did you actually know that uh, people who worship the devil, satanic worshipers, do you know what they actually tell them to do? They tell them to worship yourself. You can do some studying on it. That's actually when they gather at their demonic churches or whatever they call them, I don't know. They all worship themselves. And they hold themselves as God. You know, and if you think about it, we are living in a culture where that is really becoming the norm. We are setting ourselves up as God. Self-promotion, right? And I mean, I get it. If you're doing your own business, you got to self-promote, but it's this, it's this you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. It doesn't matter how it affects anybody else. I'm getting me. I'm getting mine. I'm going to do my thing, right? It's me, 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 myself, and I. And, and that's not the secret. God says the secret to your real happiness is that you have to begin to lay your life down and take up the life of Christ. You can't come fully alive in Christ until you first die to yourself. When you've had that, when you've had that funeral, come on, somebody. Anybody been there? You've had that funeral for yourself, and you, you've become alive in Christ. Now my life is bigger. It's not all just about me anymore. It becomes bigger. It becomes about the kingdom of God. It becomes about my family. It becomes about the people that I love and I care about, and I take myself out of the equation. My life matters, but the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm praying for are bigger than me. Right? Any parents in the house, look at all them hands. God bless you, parents. We became parents this last year. As a parent, you begin to see this truth in reality, right? The reality of sacrifice, the reality of, of loving someone else more than yourself. You'll do anything for your kids, right? Anything. The sacrifice, the love, all those things. God's the same way. He did the same thing for his kids. Any children of God in the house? He did the same thing for us through Jesus so that you could have real life, real freedom, real happiness, all these things. Are you glad we serve a God that practices what he preaches? He didn't just say, do this and judge you from afar. He actually said, do this, and then I'm going to show you how to do it. Right? Our Heavenly Father did this for us. Look at Matthew 16, 24 through 25. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his what? Cross. Did Jesus take up a cross? Yes. Did he practice what he preached? Yes. And he says, follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's upside down and backwards. If you love him enough to lose your life, you will find life. You will find purpose. You will find joy. You will find freedom. But if you try to hold on to your life and build it up the only, in your own way, you will lose it. You'll be miserable here, and then when you die, you're going to be separated from God. And you want to think you was miserable here, you're going to be miserable times a million in a place called the lake of fire. 
wishing if I just had one more shot, one more chance, I'd do something with Jesus. Right? When you live for God, everything is bigger than just you. We have to die to self. Look at that last point. We're going to wrap this up and send us out of here fired up, I hope. Thank you, Steve. Your way. So the world says giving, forgiving, serving, and denying yourself makes you weak. All these things we've been talking about this morning. If you do those things, you're weak. You don't have a spine. You don't have a back. Oh, you serve Jesus. Oh, you go to church. Man, you're just weak. Oh, you believe in Jesus. That's old school. You have faith. Man, no one, no one believes in things anymore. You need to do you. You need to get you. You need to get you some. Do it your way, right? That's what the world says. If you do those things, you're weak. God says it actually makes you strong. God says it's what makes you fierce. It makes you, it makes you well and able. It frees us from this world because then, somebody say then, you can't be offended, persecuted, and tempted out of the will of God, out of the kingdom of God. Instead, your life will produce eternal fruit. When I do those things, I can actually begin to, by faith, walk these things out. The key to staying in faith, walking by faith and not walking by sight, the key to staying strong in your faith and strong in your relationship with Jesus, uh, in an upside-down, backwards kingdom of God is this. You have to remain, somebody say remain, in Christ. You have to abide in Christ when I remain in Christ, I can actually walk these things out. Not just walk these things out, live and thrive. And all this chaos can be going on in and around my life, but I'm walking in joy, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'm walking in peace. Come on, somebody. I'm going to walk in love. When the world throws stuff at me, I'm just going to say, God bless you in Jesus' name. Because I'm remaining, I'm abiding in Jesus Christ. Look at John 15, 5 through 8, our last scripture. Jesus says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Tell your neighbors, say, hey, you're a branch. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain, there it is, that's the key to your strength, that's the key to your faith. In me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Some translations say like a dead branch. Hear me this morning. Don't be a dead branch. Tell your neighbor, don't be a dead branch. Such branches are gathered into a pile and then burned. If you're a dead branch, what do you do with dead branches? We got a fire pit at the Westbrook house. I burn dead branches. But if you remain in me and in my words, then my words will remain in you. You may ask me anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciple. This brings great glory to my Father. When you remain in Christ, you cannot remain in Christ and not bear fruit. When you, re when you remain in the vine of life, when the, line, when the vine that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you will bear fruit. So where are you remaining this morning? Are you remaining in the world? Just a part of Christ? You just use Christ like a band-aid? And then when he does what you think he needs for you to do in your life, you just...
go back to doing your own thing? Or do you remain in Christ? And you know what? You're just a part of the world. Because this ain't my permanent home. I got another place. Jesus says he goes and prepares for me. And so I remain in Christ, you know what, and I'm here for now, and I'm going to do what God asked me to do until he calls me home. So are you bearing fruit this morning? Are you bearing fruit this morning? If you're, if you're a part of Christ, you can't help but not bear fruit. Y'all want to do something for me? I'll go ahead and close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to begin to pray over us. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And right now, Holy Spirit, I want you to work. If you're here this morning in the sanctuary, you're watching us online, I want you to get real open and honest at the feet of Jesus right now. And this is what I want to pray over you. Get into his presence. Holy Spirit, shine your light on the fruit of my life. Show me all the good fruit in my life, God. Show me all the things that I'm doing by faith and obedience that you've asked me to do. God, show me my faith. Show me my fruit. Father God, I thank you for all this fruit in the house right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that this fruit would continue not just to flourish but to grow. God, and that this fruit would be uh, withdrawn. God, but then we'd also make more deposits. We can continue to withdraw and make deposits and withdraws and make deposits so that we can continue to flourish in Jesus' name. I want you to stay there. You've identified the good fruit. And right now, Holy Spirit, I want you to shine your light and show us all the bad fruit. God, get real with us. Show us the bad fruit, God, that rotten fruit that needs to be cropped. That needs to be cut off. God, that needs to be thrown in the fire in Jesus' name. Those things like addictions, those things like bad behaviors, those things like uh, pornography, those things like drugs and alcohol. God, these things that are not good, that need to be cut off in Jesus' name. Now by faith, God, I pray over these folks. God, that we would have not just the courage, but the faith to let those things go. God, to call them what they are, sin. Cut them away from us, God. Cut away those dead branches in Jesus' name. No matter how painful it is, you do it so that we have life, God, and life abundant in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, this last thing I want to do, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord, we call it being born again or getting saved, making a decision for Christ. If you've never done that and you want to do that today, right now is your moment. I'm talking directly to you. If you're watching us online, I'm talking directly to you. If you want to make that commitment and say, you know what, I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord. Right now, I want you to do something. I want you just to stand up right now in this sanctuary. If you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord, I want you just to stand up right now. If you're watching at home, I want you to stand up. Have the courage, have the face. Hallelujah, there's somebody standing. There's somebody standing. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Kingdom of God rejoices. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for, for new salvation this morning in Jesus' name. Right now, I want to lead us in a prayer. Somebody's making this prayer right now to, to declare Jesus as Lord right now. I want to lead us right now. So, Heavenly Father, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, God, we believe in you. 
God, we believe that you are the Messiah of the world. God, we confess that you are Lord over everything. God, please be Lord over my life. Holy Spirit, come and help me and lead my life every day from this day to my last day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah.